Just let me do this real quick because I've, I've been dying to get these words out to you. Let me do this. Ah! Oh, my goodness. Praise the Lord. Listen, Pastor Shannon came to me uh, a couple months ago, and he said, Jazz, well, since you're interning with the church, um, there are a couple things that we want you to do in your office. Um, and the plan is init- uh, eventually to get to be on uh, staff part-time or full-time at some point. But so I'm doing this year long uh, internship. And part of that was he asked me, he said, I want you to preach. And that wouldn't be a problem. Anybody that knows me knows I love to talk. And anywhere I go, I'm always going to be talking about Jesus. So I thought, let's do it. And so I began to pray and I asked the Lord, what would you have me share? What would you have me bring to the people at Highland, the 400, 500 people? What would you have me share? My, My roommate, my best friend in college, he would he spoke all over the place, and he would always say, Jazz, man, when you get that microphone, it's you, man. You get, to, you get to say whatever God has given to you. And the same goes when I'm at the keyboard or Nate knows how it is when he's leading worship. That's your opportunity. I get to take these few moments and communicate something. So today, and it's too bad that I'm kind of stuck. I might just move this around. We'll see. Today... I want, I want to talk about the intentional gospel. The intentional gospel. And I chose to use the word gospel, not evangelism, which gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion, which means the good news, which euangelion means has to do with evangelize. But when people hear evangelize, they just get scared, they get mad. Don't come at me talking about no turn or burn theology. I don't want to hear it, you know? You know what I'm talking about. But, so I want to talk about the intentional gospel. But before I do, I came across this figure that suggests that 97% of Christians never share the gospel. 97% of Christians never share the gospel. And that blew me away. It blew me away. And I asked myself, how can this be so? How can this be true? And so... I go to the YMCA a couple times, uh, couple times a week, play ball, lift, uh, lift weights and whatnot. And usually when I go in, before I hit the weights, I do a little bit of stretching and whatnot. So I'll go to the aerobics room. And when I'm in the aerobics room, I come across this guy who's already in there, this dude doing all these martial arts, backflips and all these different things. I'm like, and so um, he looks like he's foreign. And so my first question is, I wonder where he's from. And then my second question is, I wonder if he knows Jesus. And come to find out, he's from India. And indeed, it's from the less than 3% Christian population. 3% out of all those millions of people, 3% of them claim to be Christians. And he's from that sect. And so I asked him, um, you know, how, how, how is that, being only 3%? And so he kind of lives, he basically was in a bubble, um, a, lot, a lot of Christians where he lived. And so anybody else that knows me knows that I love to see people in love. Because your boy's in love, getting engaged, I'm engaged, getting married, May 25th. And so my question was, yes, it's great. And so I began to wonder, I wonder if he's in love. He's a Christian. I wonder if, he, if he's got another, if he's got a woman. Is, is he married? Is he engaged? What, what does that look like for him? So as I'm talking, I'm asking, so is she uh, also from the 3% Christian in India? And he says, oh, no. She's not a Christian at all, but she's the most decent person I've ever met in my life. And I couldn't believe what he said. And it just hit my stomach. And I began to ask myself, 
what is wrong with this picture? Now, am I asking him or was I going to ask him, man, you need to divorce your wife? No. Paul talks about, makes it very clear. If you're married to an unbeliever, God could very well use you to bring your husband or your wife to the Lord. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, how could he, being a Christian, understand the gospel, understand that Jesus Christ is the only way, and be content that she is a very decent person? Made me sick to my stomach. So before I get into the intentional gospel, what the gospel is, why Christians, 97% of us, don't share the gospel, I want to talk about this postmodern culture that we're living in, and especially Asheville. And if you're not familiar with what postmodernism is, postmodernism is simply the system of thinking that's so poisonous that tells us that truth is relative, and there's really no absolute truth. Because if you go down to Highland or Biltmore Baptist or wherever else, and you trust in Jesus, that's good, and, and Jesus floats your boat, that's great. But I'm down with Muhammad, or I'm down with Gaia, or naturalism, or Wicca, or whatever it is. That's not the truth. Some things are either true or they're not. I like to ask people all the time, how much you think I weigh? And for some reason, I guess I look like I weigh a lot less than I do because I get like 225, 250, 190. And that's always good. And I, I say to myself, I'm glad you think that because regardless of if you think I weigh 225, 250, I don't. It doesn't matter what you think. It really doesn't matter what I think. It matters when I step on that scale. What does that scale say? That scale tells me 275, that's what I am. I made it a point just a, a few nights ago to measure myself. I've been thinking ever since I was in high school that I was 6'4". You know, especially when you play basketball in college. You, if you're 6'2", they might put you at 6'6". It depends, you know. And so I asked myself, am I really 6'4"? So I take my shoes off, I take my socks off, and I go, and I stand next to the door, I measure it. I put the tape up, and sure enough, I'm six three and a half. Now, that's not much difference. But the fact of the matter is, just because I've been thinking I was 6'4", doesn't mean I'm 6'4". I am 275, six three and a half. That's what I am. And the same goes for God. Some things are either true or they're not. Either Jesus Christ is the truth or he's not. It doesn't work. Well, Muhammad says this. Well, Jesus said this. Buddha says this. And the truth is, if you ask a lot of people... Do you believe in God? A lot of them will tell you yes. Some will tell you, no, I don't even think about God. I don't know, he might be real. Some will tell you, no, he doesn't exist. I can only believe in what I see and what I can taste and what I can feel, what I can grasp with my senses. But for those of us who say we believe in God, you'll find thousands of different opinions, all these ideas floating around the Almighty. And so you ask yourself, how can we know what is true? How can we know what is true? But what you have to do is you have, to, you have to deal with the claim that Jesus made. You have to do something with it. Jesus said very clearly, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now, Chris, people don't like to talk about that stuff. That's so narrow-minded and that's so arrogant. How can you as a Christian just go around trying to tell everybody else how to live their life? I'm not trying to tell you how you live your life. I'm trying to tell you what the truth is. Okay, either it is very arrogant or it's very true. And I'm here to tell you, it's very true. It's very true. So the question sometimes that I get when I get to share about the Lord and what he's done in my life. And you see, you can share anytime you want, because when you go somewhere in Asheville, every person you talk to is going to talk to you out of their own experience. And it's fair. You get to talk about what your life looks like. And so for me, I make it a point. 
I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. He's, he's done too much for me, for me not to tell you about him. Okay? Now, I'm going to be sensitive. I'm not going to beat you over the head with the Bible. But I'm going to tell you what he's done in my life. Okay? But I see these, these bumper stickers. Mr. Brian, you can shoot it up. These bumper the stickers that, that read, Coexist. And you've seen them, and I've seen them. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying if you've got a coexist sticker on your, on your car, take it off. By no means. But the idea is, can't we just all get along? Can't we coexist? Isn't it all about unity and tolerance? Well, let me talk about unity for a second, okay? Unity is indeed beautiful. It should be celebrated. And, and in a regard, in a sense, that's a beautiful picture. But in the same way, unity cannot be the goal. Truth is the goal. You see, centuries ago, the entire planet almost was unified thinking that the earth was flat. Was the earth flat? No. 200 years ago here in America, you would not see me, a black man on this stage, talking to white people. America was unified under this idea that slavery was simply the backbone of the economy. That treating human beings like farm animals is okay. They were unified. Does that make it true? No. In some parts of the Middle East, women are still treated like they're subhuman. If a woman is simply accused of adultery in Iran, even to this day, right now, 2008, if she's accused of adultery by two men, they will throw her in a pit that is dug out, throw in dirt until it covers up to her neck, and stone her. They're unified that that's how you treat a woman who's accused, if it's true or not. So unity is not the goal. Truth is the goal, which brings us back to postmodernism. Some things are indeed either true or are not. And we have a very heavy statement by Jesus, a lot, tons of statements. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So either it's true or it's not. And so I perceive that of all these Christians in the world doing all these amazing things, serving and loving people, coexisting, not, not beating people over the head, but, but loving people in the name of Christ, all these people should desire to share the gospel because if you believe what the gospel says, you understand that he is the only way. It's not just the here and now. So first of all, before I get to what the gospel is, And why Christians don't seem to share the gospel. I want to talk about the facts. And the first fact is, contrary to what postmodernism will tell you, you can make up your own reality. Nothing's absolutely true. Listen to me. The world is fallen. The world is fallen. The world is corrupt in so many ways. Now, don't get me wrong. Pastor Shannon has been talking about the kingdom of God. And how all over the world, the, the hand of the Lord is moving. And Christians have been inspired by the Spirit to bring kingdom The kingdom of God here on earth. And the kingdom of God is indeed wherever Jesus is king. So don't get me wrong. The kingdom of God is growing and it is near. But the world has fallen. I don't know if if you've been in the news, but just this past Thursday, another gunman opens fire at a university in Illinois, killing five people and himself. One in three women, by the time they're 45 years old, will have an abortion. Even to this day, if your daughter wanted to get an aspirin from your teacher, from the teacher at school, she wouldn't be allowed. Yet somehow she is able to get an abortion and her parents never find out about it. 
Right now, as we speak, there's a civil war going on in the Sudan that has killed 400,000 people. Four million people have been displaced from their homes. The AIDS epidemic is, is rampaging all over the continent of Africa. We hear every single day, we turn on the news and we see somebody else has, has blown up a car bomb in Iraq or in the Middle East. And so what I, want, what I want you to understand is that this world has fallen and is indeed in need of a savior. It's not just for us Christians. The world needs Jesus. Christians need Jesus. Jews need Jesus. Muslims need Jesus. So we can coexist, but the only thing that really matters is that T on the end. The only thing that's really going to make a change in this world is that T. Amen. There's power in the cross. We don't just get together on Sundays just because we like to sing these songs and don't really care about the, the lyrics. I like the beat. I like the beat. No, there's a reason we sing these songs to the Lord. Amen? And so you hear it just like I do. Well, if God is so good, why did he allow all this to happen? If God is so good, why did he allow Adolf Hitler to kill six million Jews? If God is so good, why did he allow Osama bin Laden to do what he did? If God is so good, why, why, why? Well, if God walked us around with strings from heaven like puppets and did everything that he made us do, somebody else would be mad. Amen? So in our freedom to choose, in our freedom as, as responsible moral agents, we make decisions that cover up the world. We can't blame God. We cannot blame God. But I, I want you to understand God is not just sitting in heaven, let all this, this, this go out of control. God is going to judge sin. He's going to make every crooked way straight. And I want to read you something in case you don't know. A lot of people I know read the Bible and they just see the, the parables and the, you know, Jesus walking around, you know, the beach with his homeboys or think Jesus is just like hippie picking lilies with his friends or they think Jesus is just like this teacher boy scout who go around know how to cure poison ivy and leprosy and whatnot. Jesus claimed to be God. Okay. And this is what the Lord says about judgment. I know people don't like to talk, hear about judgment, but rightfully so. Adolf is going to get his. Bin Laden is going to get his. These terrorists going to get theirs. Listen to what God says. He says, I, the Lord, have spoken. It is coming, and I will act, and I will not relent, and I will not pity, and I will not be sorry. According to your ways and according to your deeds, I will judge you, declares the Lord, he has spoken. That's what's going to happen. Believe it or not, you don't get to make up your own reality. If I don't think about the judgment, it won't come. If I don't think about hell, it's not really there. It's there. But it wasn't for you. It wasn't for Adolf. It wasn't for Bin Laden. It's for the devil and his angels and the rebellion. But I'm not going to go in that direction right now. More so, Jesus makes it clear that all judgment has been given to him. So the same Jesus that walked around healing these people, breaking bread, is the same Jesus that is going to be the righteous judge. You see? And he talks, he makes it clear there's going to be fire and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I'm not saying all this to scare you, because praise the Lord, we missed the judgment. I'm going to get to that in just a second. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm trying to be realistic. If your friends or your wife or your, your husband or your boyfriend, or your friends, or your teacher, or your cab driver, if they don't believe in Jesus, doesn't mean he's not real, and doesn't mean he's not Lord, and doesn't mean that the judgment's not coming. It's coming, and we owe it to them. 
Sorry if I'm yelling. I'm getting excited. <laughs> and where it gets personal is that you and you and you and you and you and us and you and you and your mama and your daddy and your green-eyed granny all fall into the same boat. We do. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. I don't have to pull out the list. We know what we do. My sin might look a little bit bigger than yours, or your sin might look less than mine, or maybe I got exposed, or maybe she got pregnant. But the Lord knows the web pages that are saved to your computer. The Lord sees. But let me encourage you, he is not just up in heaven writing down a tally, hoping that we'll perish. The Bible tells us, He gets no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. And he desires that all men come to repentance. Hallelujah. He is not just this righteous judge up in heaven. Wait for somebody to mess up so I can throw you in the slammer for life, for eternity. He desires you. He loves you. And I think to myself, man, I'm engaged. And and I love Maggie, man. I mean, right now to this day, I would die for her. And I tell her all the time, man, I just want to, I hope something go wrong so I can just show you. I love you, girl. I get... I get hit by a car for you, girl. I'm telling you. She's like, Jazz, no, stop, stop, stop. But that's just that picture, man. The Lord loves you. I'm not telling, all, I'm not telling you all of this to scare you or, or make you by fear come to the Lord. I'm telling you the, the, the reality, and I hope you understand and maybe grasp the love. If you're in love, man, think about that and even more. Think about that even more times three. He desires to commune with you. Jesus says he desires that you abide with him. That's not just come to him and make some decision. Because truth is, he's not just looking for decisions. He's looking for disciples. Amen? So I've been talking about the doom and gloom. And we all know that Bin Laden and Adolf and all of them are going to get theirs. That's the truth. And rightfully so. But the truth is, we also fall in that same boat. And I'm not going to ask you right now to make a silent confession for 30 seconds necessarily. But you know the sin that's in your life. But praise the Lord. The Lord can cover those sins. The Bible says that perfect love covers a multitude of sins. I mean billions of them jokers. The Lord uncovered them. He has covered your sins if you receive. So the penalty of sin, the wages, the payment of sin is death. But glory to God, and I told, I told some people I was going to ask the Sean back there if he could, once I got to the good news, if he could bring up some white lights for me. Because I've been talking about all this doom. The good news, the good news is that nobody has to die. Nobody has to go to hell. Nobody has to live in this cycle of life going through day by day with these empty pleasures of sin. Nobody has to because the price has been paid and Jesus came to bring you life and it to the full. Amen. Indeed. And so I'm reminded when I read through the scriptures that Christians and Jews and Muslims and atheists and naturalists and witches and all these people up and down the streets of Asheville, all these people that you know, all your friends, even kids, all, all your friends at school, anybody and everybody that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. We don't, we don't have to live and walk in doom and gloom and I'm just going to live it up while I can right now because this is all there is. 
if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And so now that we talked about the gospel, like I said, one of the reasons why people don't share the gospel, why Christians don't share the gospel is because for the most part, you'll find Christians don't know what the gospel is. The gospel being the world has fallen and you're in, you're in sin. Outside of Christ, you're in sin. The decisions that you make come out of your sin nature. And God being the righteous judge, he can't let our sin off the hook. If he can't let Adolf off the hook, he can't let us off the hook. And he won't. But the good news and the truth in the gospel is that the penalty of sin, the scripture says the payment for sin is death, has been paid in full. In full. In full. You hear the song, Jesus paid it all. Lord, all to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. It's true. So the second reason I I want you to understand why I perceive Christians don't share the gospel is one, they don't know the gospel. Two, they don't believe the gospel themselves. You go to church and you, you grew up hearing the gospel and going to Sunday school and understanding that Jesus Christ is the only way. But you don't really believe it. If I, if I lived in the 3% Christian population in India, and I'm not calling my boy out, I just pray for him. 3% Christian population. And the Lord brings me a wife, or maybe the Lord didn't bring him the wife, I don't know yet. She's not a believer. And he finds no reason to share the truth. No reason for her to become a Christian. No reason to have a burden for her. No. Our religious differences make no... It's not not an issue. You begin to think, maybe he doesn't believe what he says he understands to be the truth. Maybe that Christian is just a title. Maybe that Christian is just a category that you can identify with because you want to belong to something. But if indeed the Lord has touched your heart and changed your life and the gospel has been made known to you, you would believe it and the Lord would give you a burden for those in your life who don't. And lastly, the third reason why I perceive that Christians don't share the gospel is because they don't know how. I got a lot of friends who want to share the truth. And don't get me wrong, sharing the gospel is not just reminding everybody of their sin. Like I said, we all know the sin that's in our life. We all know the dirt and the grime and the filth. Sharing the gospel is exposing people to the reality of Jesus Christ and his lordship. It's not skipping over that. and It's exposing people to the reality of Christ. And the third reason why Christians don't share the gospel, why that number is so high, 97%, is because they don't know how. That's what I want to communicate to you today. My message to you is the way to share the gospel, the truth of the life in Jesus Christ, is to do it intentionally. It's to do it intentionally, to make a plan. I make it up in my mind today. I remember, I don't know if Maggie remembers, but when we first started dating, I was in 
I was at school in Montreat, and one of my classes was biblical Greek, and uh, I left my Greek book in her car, so she'd have to come and bring it back to me. <laughs> I intentionally left that book in her car. I made it a point. I planned on doing it. I did. And the way to share the gospel is intentionally. My friend Nicole, very passionate, very zealous. Anybody who knows Nicole knows that she, whatever she does, she's going to do with all her heart. And we got into lots of conversations. She might call them arguments. I'll call them conversations about sharing the gospel and how you're supposed to do it. And for Nicole, her gift is relationships and getting to know people. Her gift isn't necessarily going up, walking up to somebody in, in the line at Ingalls and approaching them and, hey, do you know the Lord? Her gift is to build a friendship with that person and work that conversation in there. And I trust, I believe, that that's her, wo- her mode of sharing the gospel. But she's doing it how? She's doing it intentionally. Now, for me, I love chicken and I love talking. And so just a couple months ago, I'm in Ingalls, and I walk up, and I, I got about five minutes, so I'm going to wrap this up. I walk up to, to the line, and Maggie gets on me all the time because I eat the Ingalls Buffet, Ingalls Deli Buffet, like 10 times a week, right? And so I walk up to the line, and I'm about to pick out what I want. I'm just like, dang, all these options. And, and I see this lady, and she's right beside the glass. She picks up this bag of chips, and she looked at the, at the, at the price, and she put it down, and she went to the next one. And, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, man, buy that lady some food. And so I said, hey, like, you going to eat dinner here? And she was like, no. She picked up, and she, she had a, her, her EBT card. She's probably thinking to herself, how much money do I have on that? Can, can I afford to buy a little snack? And so I said, why don't you let me buy you dinner? All the while, I'm thinking intentionally. This lady about to hear the gospel, okay? <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you let me buy you dinner? And she looked at me and she said, sir, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm serious. I said, get you some chicken. I'm about to give me a half chicken, some <laughs> macaroni and cheese, some green beans. And she said, are you serious? So she went and her daughter was pushing the buggy. She went and she said, this gentleman's going to buy me dinner. So she came back, and I said, get whatever you want. I like this, and I like this. I said, you get whatever you want. Don't even worry about it. And she said, are you serious? I said, ma'am, get your chicken. I'm hungry myself. <laughs> Come to find out, she ain't want no sides, no mashed potatoes, nothing. She just wanted a whole chicken. So we bought her chicken. It was already cooked, prepared. So I went to the line. I paid for my food, paid for her food. And before I left, she just put her head in my chest and began to cry. And I said, do you know that the Lord loves you and that the Lord bought you this chicken? She began to cry even more, even more deeply. I could feel it from her spirit. She said, I'm not living the way I'm supposed to. I said, I didn't ask you that. I said, Jesus loves you. Jesus bought you this chicken. Jesus is thinking about you in Ingles. Jesus wanted you to eat this chicken. <laughs> she just began to cry. She said, you must be an angel. I said, whoa, don't go there. I said, I'm just a man. I'm just here to remind you of the love of Jesus Christ. And she went away that day, knowing more deeply than she went than before when she walked in that room. Jesus Christ loved her. Now, research tells us that it it takes seven, on average, 
Seven times for somebody to witness to a person before they come to Christ. Now, I don't know how to get those numbers, but if that's true, then my sharing the gospel intentionally could very well be another step for her walking in good relationship with the Lord. I don't know. I don't know the Lord's methods of saving people. I don't know the Lord's I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he draws men. I just know that he's commissioned us to do our part, to share the gospel, go and to make disciples of all nations. And I'm finishing up. I just want to share just a couple scriptures with you. John 6 and 45 says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last, at the last day. In Romans 1, 14 through 16, Paul says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power, power of God for the salvation of everyone, 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 anybody, everyone who believes. How then can they call on the one whom they have believed in whom they have not believed in. And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them, sharing the gospel intentionally? And so as I close, I just want you to think about how has the Lord wired you? Maybe the Lord hasn't wired you to love chicken. Maybe the Lord has not wired you to play the guitar. Nate shares the gospel through a guitar. Haynes shares the gospel through some drumsticks. Pastor Shannon gets this stage every Sunday. Miss Mary shares the gospel through helping people with problems. What's your way? Where are your circle of friends? What's your circle of influence? I don't know. I just know that the common denominator for us Christians is that we are called to share the gospel and to do it intentionally. We owe it to the world. You see, Jesus Christ is the only way. If you believe that's true, you have to do something with it. If you don't believe it's true, if it's not true, don't worry about it. But either it's arrogant or it's true. So I want you to present the gospel in your life, and I want you to do it with love. It's not a matter of us being right and them being wrong. It's a matter of the truth of the gospel is the truth. And the gospel is not just the afterlife. The gospel is now. It's not just eternal life after life. It's eternity now. And people need Jesus now, just not when they got, die. People need Jesus now, so we owe it to the world. Don't be that 97%. Be that 3%. Let's change the world for Jesus Christ. And so we're going to sing a song just real quick. I want you to wrestle. I want you to think. Chew on this. The Lord says some pretty heavy things. And... Either they're true or they're not. So my prayer for you is that you would indeed find a burden for the lost. Find a burden for that truth. That's my prayer for you. So listen to these words and share the gospel.